The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome. I'm Tanya Weiser, and with me is Bruni Davila. Glad to be with you today. So, um, just a reminder of where we've been with this on our path journey so far. So, we started with right view, right? Understanding the Four Noble Truths, and then bringing this wisdom to right intention. The second path factor we covered, the intention to act in wholesome ways for others and for ourselves. And then we moved into one of the ways of that is right speech, right? So speaking what is true and doing so in a a timely manner, avoiding divisive speech and um, harmful or harsh speech. And today we... um, we're going to expand uh, into right action. And as I was sort of contemplating the feeling of this evolution, the brilliance of this path, I was remind of, reminded of the Lao Tzu quote, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Right, Which is where we're beginning today. And the quote goes on, to watch your actions, they become your habits. When we do right um, livelihood, you know, we can look at that. Watch your habits, they become your character. Certainly many of us can speak to how we're impacted by the work and the life that we live. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. And the beautiful thing is that um, we can change course at any point. Right? So, uh, important um, thing about moving into wise action um, is just the reminder and with this unfolding is that the path does not unfold alone in our thoughts or our mind. Right? That we, not even just our speech, it, 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 it unfolds as we live and how we live our lives. I have this um, quote from a woman by the name of Mary Caroline Richards. She's passed now, but she wrote, she was an artist um, and a writer, a poet, and a teacher. And she wrote a book called Centering in Pottery, Poetry, and the Person. Very interesting topic, but... I was really taken as I was reading it and um, she had this quote that I felt like was really appropriate for um, where we're at. And she was contemplating um, what wisdom is and thinking and that thinking and knowing is alone is not enough. And she said, wisdom is not the product of mental effort. Wisdom is a state of the total being in which capacities for knowledge and for love, for survival and for death, for imagination, inspiration, intuition, for all the fabulous functioning of this human being who we are, come into a center with our forces, come into an experience of meaning that can voice itself as wise action. She went on to say, it's not enough to belong to a society of friends who believe in nonviolence. If, when frustrated, your body spontaneously contracts and shoots out a fist to knock another man down, it is in our bodies that redemption takes place. And what I'm reminded of um, as well in this quote is how, you know, bias forms in our lives. And it's not our fault that we create and have views and bias that builds up in us. We're conditioned. We're a product of our society and our families and our our thinking, <laughs> our reading, our movie watching. Just tremendous amount comes in. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was talking about... Um, I don't know if it was a particular... Uh, I don't know if it was from the African-American movement or not, not but they were talking about how you know, um, they were saying essentially we need better um, uh, PR reps, (laughs) 
right? Because if you, you know, there's the PR, the PR, the images that come at us about, you know, gender and culture and even the split in our cultural divide right now. We get a lot of messages that are coming in deeply and creating a lot of divide and a lot of sense of unsafetiness. And so these things will come up. And it's um, the bias that we didn't ask for, that we've cultivated or has been cultivated in us, is going to show up. So, you know, I think, I love the idea that our bodies can kind of help us see where our bias is still alive, right? Where it still has a grasp on us. But we don't need to make that a bad thing if we can see it and love ourselves through it and normalize that we've been conditioned, right? We've been conditioned. So in terms of trying to build this wisdom, to build our capacity to live right action. Let's take a minute just to sort of look at what the Buddha said about what right action is. So his words, according to the Pali canon, are, and what, friends, is right action? Abstaining from killing living beings. Abstaining from taking what is not given. And abstaining from misconduct and sensual pleasures. This is called right action. Gill interpreted this, I think, in a really beautiful way. And he said, another way of saying this is to say that the path is meant to free people from the causes and conditions where we cause harm. So simple, right? So simple. In our tradition, and uh, every year or two, probably more like two years, um, Gil will offer a formal um, going for refuge class. And, you know, that embodies the five precepts, the gifts of right action. And the five precepts are the first three that are listed about refraining from killing, taking, not taking what is not freely offered, and refraining from sexual misconduct. We also add refraining from lying, harsh speech, idle speech, and slander. And to refrain from taking intoxicants that can cloud the mind and cause heedlessness. And it's really thought that by following these five precepts, by training in these precepts, really it's a training. It's a training. It's not like there's these five sins, but these five trainings, these things that we work to cultivate in ourselves. That we experience a gift of increasing safety in receiving it and in offering it profound gift really as your mind kind of falls more and more into uh, an abstinence from these sources of harm you'll find that there's more and more peace more and more ease available to you in life that's my experience anyway so um, I wanted to encourage you to who here has gone for refuge? Who's taken the refuges? Okay. So if you go on a retreat, um, we usually start the retreat by taking the refuges. And we, you know, um, chant to the Buddha. And we honor the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And then we, um, we say, I undertake the training to refrain from killing who here would like to just, this is uh, briefly, just take the precepts for the duration of our time together today? Anybody interested in doing that? And just having the experience of making this commitment for the duration of our class? <laughs> okay. So I'll do call and response. I undertake the, retra- uh, I undertake the training to refrain from killing. I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not freely offered. 
I undertake the training to refrain from sexual misconduct. I undertake the training to refrain from lying, harsh speech, idle speech, and slander. I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicants that could cloud the mind and cause heedlessness. <laughs> so just take a minute to take that in that we, you know, had a strong voice of joining here and for the duration of our time together we're all going to practice cultivating these precepts. So just sort of feel what that feels like to know that everyone in this room or I think everyone in this room mostly for the duration of this class wants to uphold these, you know, right actions and how beautiful that is. What a gift that is for us to be here in a space where that's our intention together. It's really quite lovely. Going for, you know, refuge um, and doing the ceremony with Gil is quite lovely and it gives you a chance to sort of talk through each of the precepts and your ambivalence or discomfort with them or a feeling like, I can't hold that, I can't, that's not possible, you know, in a group of people who are also exploring it and to find a sense of um, maybe a, a soft doorway into seeing this as, as a training. And it's not about... Um, never making mistakes. It's about our intention and and supporting that intention to continue to cultivate more and more wholesomeness in the world and creating more and more safety in the world. So the, you know, to me, I love this path factor because more than any, it really speaks to me about how this path is a path of cultivating harmlessness. Just how profound that is. You know, where, where else do you sort of hear and feel that that's the primary goal of what people are doing together? That awakening is about stopping harm for ourselves and for others. So let's, let's do a little guided reflection meditation practice together. Just taking some breaths, pausing here. And I'm gonna offer some reflections And just see if you can sort of watch your mind and its processing instead of joining in too much in the thinking. Just sort of observing and taking in. I'm also going to end up using words like think, so just hold it lightly. Just taking a moment to think about a life that's harmless or less harmful. And what would that look like? What What would that be like? for you, for your being. How does that feel to hold that thought, that image, however you see it? It might be in words or pictures or feeling, sensation. What do you feel in your body? And just take a moment to breathe into your heart. And then bring to mind a moment in your life 
or a memory or a story of someone else describing a a feeling of serenity, of safety. And not worrying too much about finding the perfect memory. It could be a brief moment. could have been a very simple exchange, but you could feel and notice this sense of ease and a lack of defensiveness, uh, receptivity. Maybe a moment in life of letting go, well-being. For me, what often comes up is a memory of being in Hawaii and the warm, salty ocean floating on a raft in the warm sun. Something about that memory is so strong for me. The buoyancy. And as you connect with whatever images or memories come up, just take a moment to acknowledge in a really simple way the conditions that allowed for that feeling of safety or ease to arise. And some of the things that you might contemplate and recognize are things like, you know, a sense of faith or trust, confidence in yourself or the conditions. A trust for me in my ability to swim. Another what might be a sense of belonging or connection to where we're at or the people who are around us. A sense of belonging is tremendously important. A feeling of intimacy with self or other or both. For many of us, it also includes something, connection with something larger than ourselves, whether it's nature or love or And then there are other factors like having enough money, enough food, enough water, shelter, basic resources. So having kind of connected in this way, just take a moment to breathe into your memory of a feeling of ease or safety. Allowing it to spread and permeate throughout your whole being. Breathing into here and now, now. Awareness of here and now. In this room, in this group, with people who've just reflected on the precepts and right action. And just noticing if, if here, if now, in this moment, 
if there's a sense of ease or safety. It may not be 100%, but to whatever extent it is available and present, bringing your awareness to that experience here and now. And how do you know that you're experiencing it? Where do you feel it? And taking that sense that you feel, seeing if you can make the breath that comes into and out of your body feel safe the idea of offering that experience of breathing safety a non-interfering allowing space for the breath taking a breath in and with the exhale allowing the meditation to start to include more and more of the room and this moment before fully ending the meditation I'm just going to drop in a few questions just see how they land like a rock in the pool of water noticing the ripples Do you believe you deserve to feel safe? Do others deserve to feel safe? Is it a right? An expectation? Is it something you create? Is it something you offer? Something earned? Gifted? A miracle? Please know that it is my deepest wish, and I'm pretty sure it's Bruni's too, that you all feel very safe to be who you are here today with whatever comes up for you, welcomed, part of, belonging. So let's take, um, let's break into dyads. Um, So finding a partner, and we're going to do a reflection exercise. You can go ahead and move your chairs, and maybe just think about first if you want to be with somebody you know or don't know, choosing wisely for yourself. Um, So the first question... um, one person, please raise your hand who will be the 
the speaker first in each group. Thank you. The first question for the speaker is a repetitive one. Over and over the question will be, if I felt safer, I would dot, dot, dot. If if I felt safer, I would dot, dot, dot. And just allowing whatever words come forward to come forward. And sometimes you'll find you have the same answer once or twice in a row or three times. And then it'll shift and change and something else will be there. And maybe it won't. And it's okay. You just sort of let it keep coming. So I'm going to set a timer so that each person has two full minutes to just allow this question to be asked and responded to multiple times. Listeners, you got your hats on? Yes. So the the yeah, so listener can ask the question and then wait after the response give a little bit of time before you ask it again. And yes, you just the same question exactly the same way. You don't need to keep asking it differently or come up with a different question. It's just if you felt safer, you would dot dot dot. Okay? All right. Take a deep breath in. Feel yourself, feel your bodies here. Please begin. And so again, coming into center, noticing the impact of the words shared and heard. Appreciating your listening, appreciating your tender hearts. In the group of three, you'll stay with this question. The other groups will shift. The next question will be, if you offered more safety to others, you would. So if you offered more safety, or if I, if you're answering for yourself, offered more safety to others, I would dot, dot, dot. What would happen? What would that be like? Yes, so we're going to switch roles again. Yes, thank you for the question. Stay where you are, but um, turn your bodies back toward the front. So, um, Bruni's going to help me with this. I'm going to just ask a few questions and ask for some responses about the exercise and reflections so far. And um, the first, the first question I have for you is: Were there any surprises for you as a result of this discussion and this exploration? What surprises were there for you? And if you could just raise your hand, Bruni will run the microphone over to you. Hi. I feel. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, I couldn't come up with anything for the first one, because I generally feel very safe wherever I go. Mm -hmm. That's because I've worked really, really hard on myself, and I'm in that place. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until after everything got quiet and everyone was done then that thing that was deep inside of me popped up 
Mm. And then I found it. Mm. Yeah. other surprises um, my, my partner shared a, a fear that um, was something I, I totally took for granted as it, would, it wouldn't be a fear for me um, and I think there was a maybe a gender component to that as she can speak to that but um, uh, it was, you know just sort of a wake up for me I can see that, Liam. I really appreciated like that feeling that you had of like, oh my gosh, how beautiful that you were receptive enough to take in her experience in a way that um, allowed you to imagine what that would be like and to recognize where you, you know, have um, what safety or privilege mm-hmm. or um, you know where you haven't been uh, exposed to. A, experiences of um, some sense of not being at ease because of whatever. So, lovely. Nice. Any other surprises? Maybe one more surprise. Betsy in the back. Oh, got one. Okay, great. I Go just wanted to respond. I was his partner. Okay. Um, Maybe you're surprised that he said that. I don't know. No, I, I, um, I found the exercise a little difficult because... Um, it requires to be vulnerable to share the things that you're afraid of. And he's very kind, and his eyes were very kind. And um, we were both surprised, I think, at not the particular gender thing, but some of our shared uh, safety issues and how we'd like to make other people feel safe. Beautiful. Thank you. In a hall that um, I associate with the power of silence so much, it was quite a surprise to feel um, how the voice activated um, these concepts and made a real manifestation of state of of more supreme states of being safe than I often allow myself to feel. Oh. So thank you. Ah, beautiful. Thank you, Betsy. What was important? What was important to you about what you heard, shared, connected with? What was important to you about this exploration? Anybody have a, something they'd like to share that was important to them? Um, I think overall this actually just popped up after as I was hearing everyone's responses. Um, It was important for me to see the relationship between the feeling of safety for myself and what I can offer to others. I think before I was quite concerned with what can I give to everyone else and not realizing that the depth of what I can offer is dependent on what I can give myself. Mm. Mm. That created quite a resonance in the room. Thank you. What else is important about this? Maybe important feels like too much of a pressured word. What stands out? What calls for being shared? What we share in our group was um, so intimate and so profound that um, it's dear emotions that you seem, or I seem to think that I had worked out already, but there are residues of those emotions and that just come just bubbling up and bleh, and burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience, but I was very um, touched by what was shared. And mm. it was so intimate that it really touches your heart and inspires compassion. Beautiful. Awesome. I guess I just want to say that what I felt was really important 
was that though I didn't share anything that wasn't new to me, allowing myself to be safe enough to share it really reconfirmed mm-hmm. how important it was. You know, just the importance of what I'm saying, the importance of what my fears are. Great. why I'm not safe. Mm. Great. Um, I, I guess it is a little bit important that I had the experience of feeling the relationship between feeling safe and feeling peaceful. Mm. Um, and it, because I felt a little anxious about making myself vulnerable and the uh, opposite of that is feeling more peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can offer a new reflection question. Just checking, giving space first to see if there's anyone else who wants to share something that stands out for them. Okay. I'm curious what your experience of the difference between focusing on feeling more safety versus offering more safety. What did you notice about those two explorations Did one seem easier, one seem harder? Did one seem like it was going to be hard, but it ended up bringing you a different experience than you expected? What what was that about for you? What happened for you in that? The difference between feeling more safe, imagining that, and offering more safety. So my not feeling safe had to do with my relationship with my oldest daughter. She's 38 now. And when we asked the second question, which was how could I make another, you know, others feel safe, I realized I don't make her feel safe, and she doesn't make me feel safe either. It's the same thing. Beautiful. Beautiful. And when you recognized that, what happened for you? I got really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuckness getting released. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, it was a very, it actually it was enlightening because I had not thought of it in that way before. Yes. That was the first time the light went on in my head. Great. Whew. I know. I think um, similar to what she was saying, it felt very circular to me. Like Mm -hmm. the more safe you feel, the more you're maybe offer a sense of safety or provide safety to someone else. And in turn, they'll provide safety to someone else. But if you're, and I think we're very privileged here where we live, there's not a lot of physical violence. Um, But I think, you know, maybe the gender as women were kind of conditioned to be like always on the lookout. And I think there's just this low level of conditioning that we are not even aware of. Yeah. But um, kind of if everyone's so afraid of their own safety, they're just looking out for themselves and making it hard for everyone else. So I think just realizing like the connection and that it just gives forward and forward. Beautiful. Um, Yeah. Beautiful. I have this... um a poem I wrote once about this experience of like, sometimes when you're trying to go in, you end up going out. It's kind of that feeling to me. It's like you, you know, you're, it's like the surprise is that, you know, you go out and you end up in, or you go in and you end up out, right? And and I think that this is one of those practices that um, can, can really, we can end up in this way, um, just if we can't find safety for ourselves, sometimes the best thing we can do is look for where we can offer it and we'll get it too, right? Or if we can't offer it, you know, try and give it to ourselves and then we'll have it to give. Yeah. I think, Betsy, you had your hand up.
it, it wasn't as apparent to me when I was working on creating safety for self as it was when I turned to other, the importance of trust and the connection of trust to space. And I liked your example so much of affording the physical space, but the mental and emotional space to others and trusting their own process and time. Beautiful. All right. Let me turn my page and we'll shift. Yeah. But before I start talking again and sort of um I just feel just feel what's been shared here. And maybe look around the room. We usually close our eyes, but maybe make some eye contact with some other people in this space. Yeah, hi, I see you. Yes, we're all here together. (laughs) Yeah, great. So the first thing I want to say, I'm going to do a sort of a short Dharma talk and then we're going to take a break just so you know where we're going. Um, is that actually, you know, we, we really all want to feel safe, right? We really just all want to feel safe. And we spend a lot of time trying to feel safe and working hard to make ourselves feel safe. And, um, but danger is normal, right? Is more normal than not. Threats are kind of normal. Death is normal. Sickness is normal. Flat tires are normal. These things are all part of life. So it's this very interesting juxtaposition, right? Because here we are working and we're talking about a, creating a, a path and a practice where there's safety and we're, we don't live in a safe environment and, uh, and life is not just full of safety. So it feels really important to acknowledge this kind of thing that can feel like it's in conflict, So I have a little quote from um, Tinasaro Bhikkhu. It's an often overlooked feature of the Buddha's teachings that he identified the basis for all our good and skillful qualities as heedfulness, not innate goodness or compassion, heedfulness. To recognize that there are dangers both within and without that your actions can make the difference between suffering from these dangers and not, and that you'd better get your act together now. (laughs) This is the heedfulness that makes us generous, wise, and kind. We're not kind, we're kind, I'm sorry, we're kind not because we're innately kind. In fact, our minds are so quick to change that they're not innately anything, good, bad, aside from being aware. If we're heedful, we're, not, we're kind not only when others are kind to us or make us feel safe, we're kind because we see that kindness is the safest course of action, even in the face of the unkindness of others. And I want to add dot, 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 and that doesn't mean we, you know, are form, you know, dust mops or that we just let people walk over us either, right? Kindness can be, you know, kindness and compassion can be fierce and strong and it's saying no as well. So um, shifting back, you know, so this is the condition, this is our life, this is our mind, our mind changes the, the content and the focus and the intentions in our mind and being mindful or aware and heedful, we can work on reorienting, reorienting, reorienting toward what our, our personal aspirations are, right? Toward the path. Um, and in so doing, 
there's also this um, idea of creating and protecting safety for ourselves and for others. And it's a beautiful aspiration and a beautiful gift to receive and, and offer safety. It's really quite lovely. And I, I think I really want to just encourage some fluidity within us and um, around where we're focused, where we get stuck focusing on whether it's creating or getting safety for ourselves or offering safety. And that as a few people sort of offered, it can be surprising how offering safety can bring safety. And creating safety can offer safety. How both are incredibly important. So just to sort of keep checking what way you're going and what the results are. And if it's not working, try the other way. For example, for me, um, you know, I'm kind of an introvert in general. um, And so uh, if I go out and I'm in a social space with people I don't really know, uh, it's much better for me to focus on looking for people to help Someone who needs help carrying something, you know, food I can provide, something I can do to help. It is so much more helpful for me to create my own ease or my own safety if I'm kind of looking for others instead of like, what is she thinking? What is she doing? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, like, oh, I'm awkward. You know, all these kinds of self-talk stuff that, you know, is just really crippling and unhelpful and does not make me feel more safe or anybody else around me. So that's an example of how where, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, just be safe, just be extroverted, do whatever. That doesn't work. But if I turn it around, it does work. It's still focusing on safety, but instead of on my own, I'm focusing on others. And it, 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 it's been tremendously helpful for me. All right. So the other thing to think about is, you know, we've got the precepts, you know, that are a guideline for sort of how to cultivate internal and external safety. It really is also, when I think about right speech, not just the words we say out loud to others, but what are we saying to ourselves? How are we talking to ourselves? What tone of voice are we using? Right? So really thinking about this inner and outer with the precepts as well. Inner and outer. Right? Um... Also, just thinking about things like, are we spending too much money to make ourselves feel safe? Right? Like, just how, how can we behave in life in a way that will create less anxiety for ourselves? Some people, you know, it's about keeping our homes clean. Right? Our spaces clean. Some people, it's about staying on top of emails. You know, what is it that we can be doing in our lives that will help bring more ease, less contraction, less, less anxiety? I think um, one of the Buddha's teachings that I find very, very, very helpful and um, reflect on a lot is to remember that no one is more important than you are. No one is more important than you are. And I like to, you know, add, he doesn't say this in the the quote, but that no one's less important than me either, right? But everything that I do, I don't want it to cause harm to me. I don't want it to cause harm to someone else. And I don't want it to cause harm to both. But there's only one me, and I have to be paying attention to that me, right? So, take care of yourselves. A couple of um, suggestions are, like I said before, until you feel safe, offer safety. It's actually, uh, I went on a retreat with Gil, who I just saw walking around back there. And um, Analio. And for some reason at this retreat, I just, at the end of it, I just felt safer than I'd ever felt in my life. Like it was just, like I hadn't even realized how little safety I had felt. 
And so I was talking to him after the retreat and just sort of expressing this. And he said to me, Tanya, until you feel innately, just naturally safe, offer, work on offering safety to others. And it's been a great gift, great practice for me. Another thing that um, I think can be very helpful is to make this right action, these precepts, very personal, uplifting to you. Make them meaningful. So, for example, when we refrain from killing, we can also be celebrating life. Now, the mind is tricky, so we could refrain from killing, like an ant, for example, and just feel kind of resentful or annoyed. And we can get stuck in that because we had to, you know, go this extra effort to catch the ant and carry it outside and there were a hundred ants and not one ant or whatever. But, so the mind, remember where you, you direct your mind will affect what is, follows. So with the precepts, notice what you're celebrating with each of them as you practice them. So if you avoid getting intoxicated so you're not heedless, you can appreciate the gift of a clear mind the capacity to have access to your prefrontal cortex and to make good judgments, right? If we're not thoughtful about this, we can end up sitting there resenting that we can't drink and we feel left out. And we forget about the hangovers and the lost keys and the empty wallet and all the other things, right? Among the heedlessness. So try and find what personally is inspiring to you about right, taking right action in life. What's the affirmative for you and how, you, how can you contribute to a world of more belonging, more connection, more safety and more ease? So with that, let's take a break. Where are we with our timing? Am I on time here? To... Yep, great. So we'll come back at 2.25. All right, thank you.